0: Hello, and
1: welcome to the official podcast of Palate Exposure, featuring Alona Thompson, a podcast for those seeking the ultimate in wine, food, and travel. Each week, she interviews winemakers, chefs, celebrities, and a variety of guests that shape the way we enjoy life. Okay. So Mary and I got, uh, we were married in Hillsburg and that's where our wedding reception was up here and it's still going. Those old vines are 50 years old. They were planted in 1970. Uh, the old Pinot and Zinn vines up here are 50 years old, and we are still making great wine from them. And uh, 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 it's a tribute to the people who planted it, two women, you know, I bought this place in the late 60s and, and, and planted one like Zinn and one like Pinot. So they planted Zin and Pinot, and thank God they're planted on St. George rootstock because it didn't get knocked out by the block, and it's still here. Yeah, you know, it's not a commercial. You know, you're not getting the commercial yield option. We're getting about a ten and a quarter. But I was advised take it out, and you got higher production. I said, oh, "It's we got to honor these these older things uh, and with them along." And you know, Mike Sullivan brought the vineyard back through his viticultural uh, ideas and that. And, uh, and uh, so it's still producing today. And uh, you know, when one of those old vines finally gives up, we just put a replant in where that was and where we go again. And, uh, it's a great wine. It's uh, it's a unique wine. Come to find out. Uh, cause the site has a unique character to it, but it's, uh, that's why I'm in the Pinot business right there. I was a cab guy, you know, and, uh, I didn't much care for Chardonnay. Um, you know, uh, and so when I hired Mike Sullivan in 05, I was interviewing people. And so I made Chardonnay and I said, I don't like Chardonnay. I said, I burgundy, uh, man. So I heard Mike and now I'm, now I'm drinking some of Mike's Chardonnay. And I'm drinking more Chardonnay today than I haven't red wine anymore because that's what's happened. You have a little drink, drinking more of a, a different wine. So every, every step is a learning experience for me. And that's what I love about the wine business. You know, Every day you learn something. Once you think you know it, you're dead. You don't know it because it changes every day.
0: Of how open you are, how open-minded, open-hearted. There you were, a cat guy, self-described. And who would appear a serendipitously in your path but Burt Williams? I mean if there's a Yoda-like comparison, he's a Pinot. <laughs> what
1: a great you're exactly right. What you're exactly right. I mean he was a Yoda and 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 the funny thing I didn't know who he was. And you know I, I sit there every day going, you idiot. <laughs> But I learned, I learned, uh, uh, I, I learned a lot from that man and others. Uh, you know, we're we're sitting here, we're thinking about our 50th reunion, 50th anniversary this year is for Bonovia. Wow. and, and, we, and we we're talking today. We we're going to try to put something together on Zoom, and, and I said, you know, I have a picture someplace because what I would do is uh, the Pinot when we bought the property in '02, there was a startup winery buying the Pinot, Costa okay. Brown. Of course. <laughs> and so they were we started up and they, they had the fruit. Yeah. And uh, uh, the Zen was going to Claude Bois reserve Zen program. And so I got to know Mike, uh, Michael Brown and, and Danny Costa And so I had Bert Williams over one night in, uh, in our little house, the little ranch house that we had. Still have it. Mm-hmm. Not right. having an outside dinner and Bert showed up with wine. Margie came with some wine and Mike, uh, Michael Brown came with some wine. This had to be 2003,
0: mm-hmm.
1: maybe 2004. I think it was two thousand and four, and we're sitting out there, back sixteen years ago. And there's Bert and Mike, Michael Brown and and Margie, and and Bert's you know sipping on some of Mike's wine, and Bert looks over at Mike and he says, "Great wine, Mike." And I tell you what, you know, Mike, you uh, know, you know, Michael Brown's eyes went, you know, he 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 was a smile from ear to ear and Bert was not pulling his legs. He said, "Michael, this is very nice wine." Like that. So you sit there and just participate in these things as a healthcare guy or in a healthcare company. I you're sitting here, blessed being able to be part of that conversation. It was just, it was just great.
0: Such a phenomenal mentorship. I mean, that validation alone will give you wings. You know, I can yeah. see what Michael really was able to fulfill his destiny, so to speak, although originally he's supposed to be a trapeze artist or something completely. I know, different. yeah. <laughs> um, but he is a winemaker and yes. that kind of encouragement. Um,
1: it, was, it was just great to see a young guy being validated by an icon. You know, it was This as way before they they hit their iconic uh, status, you know. Um, and in fact, the Cone Vineyard, the the 03 and the 04 were uh, two of the wines that uh, helped set them on their path. That's right. Yeah, the old, the old four, you know, was a 98.1 from Wine Spectator, and, uh, and he had one I think it was Cancer, and that uh, were big. And so, uh, you know, we we had a we had an interesting party, uh, 45th anniversary of the Cone Vineyard. Bert had gifted me his last bottle of 1993 Cone Vineyard. Oh, that's extraordinary. Uh, uh, and he came to dinner the year before we were doing it at an auction, so it was okay. So uh, 45, so it was, it was uh, 2015, and uh, so think how that wine was. And so I I took the bottle. We were doing a, a, a lunch at Dustin Bellat's. and and uh, the Principino was there, and Bert, and uh, Michael Brown, and, and had sent one. He was he was on the road. And, and so I gave the bottle of the 90, 1993 bottle to and I said, yours to open. And uh, he opened that wine and uh, Rusty Gaffney was sitting next to him and Rusty took the first taste of it. He said, oh my God, oh my God, it was perfect. A 1993 Pinot from the Cone Vineyard, it was perfect. And, uh, you know, we had enough to pour about 40 people, you know, tole glass, you know, and, uh. It was quite a celebration uh, and uh, I have no doubt it
0: sounds like a religious experience
1: it was and it was the last time I saw Bert uh, you know uh, he he was just being affected by his his illness and and uh, the Washington you know this last year but uh, but it was quite an experience and it's uh it's kind of like the you know the beginning to you know drink a ninety three cone in two thousand and two and Drink a 93 cone, and, and uh, I think it was 2017, so you know, 2018 almost. So, very you It's
0: amazing that this vineyard and you, you know, created this beautiful partnership. It's like it was waiting for you in a sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, and a lot of helping hands, you know, it's, and we love this community. You know, this is such a great community, and, and this community has gone through so much over the last four or five years—the fires and all that. And being part of this community, being able to help out, uh, is it's just a real privilege. Um, uh, you know, we've got a lot in other communities around the country, but you know, this is uh, our primary residence here, and, and being able to be part of that and help out in, in any small way we can is is just a uh, a great privilege for us to do that. And we've had fun at the wine auctions, as you know, uh, make great friends like John Charles Balsay and, and uh, Gina Gallo and, you know, all the other winemakers and people who have gotten to know and, uh, You know, putting our shoulders together and trying to help out, just uh, helping the community. You know, it's, uh, to us, it's, it's, that is as important to us as making good wine, and, uh, and, and we'll continue to do that.
0: You've become an integral part of Sonoma County in so many ways. I mean there's not any charitable event of note that you're not attached to in some way. Everybody knows who you are because of your big part and you love Sonoma County. And you're right, it has even you know the recent events, the twenty seventeen fires and such like that, but you know, Sonoma County certainly has been subject to many, many worse situations. So it's been such a privilege we have we have somebody has something to say about that oh, oh
1: yeah like someone walked around outside and andy's he's sitting over there he, he saw somebody walk by so so time for me to sign an order
0: oh no he you're right this this is worth barking about totally yeah. um so you've champ you've shared an auction uh, recently that raised like some like 4.5 million dollars yeah it was amazing and you've matched funds you've done all kinds of <laughs> work in your community
1: and I know you'll continue to do so. Oh, you bet. You bet. It's uh, uh, And, and the, the latest things we've been able to do, I was just you know, honoring our veterans and first responders and, and having that great airplane that I have. I've been on it for eleven, twelve 12 years, and being able to do a little flyover here, and, and in honor of, you know, during our D-Day experience last year of taking her over to Normandy, uh, we met some fascinating people. Del Tillman here. Uh, you know was uh, a pilot of d-day and he's now at this hillsburg senior center 99 years old turns 100 next week and they keep nobody can see him you know because they're all locked down and uh, and so we made sure we flew over uh and flew over him and, and chris smith from the press democrat wanted to come along because he's gotten to know dell over the years too and so you know uh, chris wrote a beautiful article about dell and his and his uh, heroism and and uh, helping to win the peace, you know, and uh, uh, being, being able to do those types of things, I'm blessed to be able to do it, you know, and to be able to help out and be part of the, be part of it, you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. So I really want you to tell our listeners how that project came about because I have to tell you, I mean, I knew of it and I read the press releases, but when I actually saw some of the collateral, you know, some of the videos and such like that that were created interviews with the veterans, I had a hard time holding back tears. It was such a powerful message again, so timely. Let's face it, some of us feel sorry for ourselves and I have my moments like everybody sure. else.
1: You're but human.
0: Put it in perspective like nothing else. This twenty year old kids hopping this airplane that barely trained to fly and living a hero's life without any accolades or an acknowledgement. That's Maybe right. That's true courage. That is something. Now, I felt a little whiny afterwards myself, and I know after you guys hear the story, you will too. How did that whole thing come about? Please tell me.
1: Well, it was was interesting. Uh, So, three years ago, uh, we were approached by a a gentleman who had gone to the 70th anniversary of D-Day and only one American airplane showed up. And and so, three years ago, he reached out to those of us who had, had these type of airplanes and said, can we put a squadron together? And so uh, uh, we started the project. Then uh, the airplane I had was was well maintained before I bought it, and we kept that up. But we we went through and did a, a major refit for it, um, and made sure that uh, you know we could we could do this. And I started out doing it to honor my dad, uh, who fought in World War II. Uh, he served in North Africa, and then uh, in the terrible conflict fighting up the boot in Italy. He uh, was highly decorated, but um, quite frankly, most of his most of his friends uh, were killed uh, in combat. Uh, casino, there were 75,000 casualties just at the Battle Casino. And, uh, you know, and so he and my uh, one of my uncles was an LST commander in South Pacific, and the you other know, one was a flight engineer on B-29s flying off of Tinian bombing in Japan. All all three of them are very very dangerous jobs and and so I started off this thinking would do that to honor my dad and my uncles and you know we went to these communities and uh, the veterans would come out and all of a sudden I said wait a minute this is a lot more than Uncle Jim, Uncle Sam and my dad and Obi and this, there's a lot more to this than and became and really understood the depth of these people and what they did for our country and and you, know, you get to know those people and then our little squadron i now call it the mighty 15. you know we met up in oxford connecticut and flew the north atlantic and said my planes will we'll be 78 years old at the end of this month and she said we said flying the 77 year old airplane across the north atlantic is you know it takes a lot of courage or a lot of faith and uh, probably both um, i made sure i had as much wine as i had oil because i said look at i said we're in trouble, you can't pull the oil in the engine while we're flying, so we might as well start drinking the wine. But we went across and we met some of the most amazing people in this world. Um, it was a blessing. Well, there was old guys helping us out in Greenland as we were refueling and, and uh, you know plugging up an oil uh, filter. Or uh, we flew in Dublin to, to kind of reconnoiter and do some movements. And the people greeting us at the airport it was amazing. These people, these come out, they love us. They love the plane. Iceland was, un- we had landed at Iceland um, after a seven hour flight across the ice cap and across the North Atlantic. And as we landed, this airport manager said, We were opening it up so the people would come out. And so we'd only flown seven hours, we opened the door, and in, in an hour and a half, 275 people walked through my airplane. And these Icelanders, they knew. They knew what, what had happened. And without what we did, as well as the rest of our allies, you know, they'd be Okay, and, uh, and so it, it was an amazing experience. You met people who know more about our airplanes and what we did in World War II than we did. And we then went to England, and we landed at Duxford. And when we landed there, we came in at different, kind of different times. We landed with 55,000 people waiting for us to land at Duxford, England. Extraordinary. And we were there for four or five days preparing the flight, and they always would show up. They would always show up to. know, uh, uh, we went over to a little airfield and had a great time there. And then on June the fifth, when we took off to fly over Norm, fly to Normandy, because paratroopers flew at night. Uh, they were dropped at two a.m. in the morning, and uh, when we were flying out of England, you're going down the cliffs looked down, there was 100,000 people along the road watching us. Hogging our horns. Uh, you know, we had, we had some nice receptions in the United States, but nothing like this. And we, when we got to, to Cannes and, and landed there, the French were most appreciative. And on D-Day, my son decided to stay over, and uh, I just had to stay on the ground uh, and not be in the airplane um, because I wanted to be with him. And because you had to have secret service clearance it's the only time the civilian aircraft have been able to fly over over uh, um, with three president national presidents so yeah. I'd had a, I'd had a secret service clearance before but my son didn't have one so I wasn't going to leave him there so through Mary's ingenuity you know we drove down and we were able to get within 100 yards of Omaha Beach and uh, I mean it was just amazing through Uber going past all the blockades and stuff and so um and we were there when we flew over it and they flew over and we were meeting people uh, from all over europe we were there on the beach uh, and one of them was a family from holland and um you know they saw you know that we were americans and they wanted to know what we were doing there and i told them my airplanes gonna be one of these and uh, they told us what it meant because we liberated holland and uh, how someone had lost their loved ones uh, to the Holocaust and, and what it all meant to them and what we meant to them. And it was not only us, it was the British, it was the French resistance. Uh, what people don't know is 28,000 Frenchmen died and taken of uh, Normandy, 28,000. Through bombings, us bombing, 28,000 French died. And, uh, but the resistance, the French, the Canadians, um, you know, really became part of the whole story and it wasn't just mighty America. It was all working together for world peace. And, uh, and so being part of that the world community real in our life and being able to talk to those people and understand the great things that we did, but the great things that they did and how they, contributed to world peace. And so you, you begin to understand the importance of these alliances and what it means. If we think about it, you know, this has probably been one of the longest eras of prosperity in world history in the last 75 years. Yeah, we've had wars, but they haven't been world wars. And yeah, we've had Vietnam and we've had Iraq and those types of things, but they have not been world wars. And, uh, You know, we had World Wars, you know, First World War was the French-Indian War. That's the first World War that we had. Because the French and the English and and, uh, we're fighting all over the world. And so 75 years and the most incredible economic expansion in world history. Uh, And here we are today, because of the work that happened back then, not only during the war, but the alliances that that stopped Russia, you know, at the Berlin Airlift, those alliances, Prove to be you know beneficial to to our our world not just our country and you know our job today is to continue to speak about those things and those same issues are as important today as they were 75 years ago and reaching out to our allies uh, and making sure that this is just not America this is you know all of us together only if we do it together can we maintain this this fragile peace that we've had for 70 76 years now um, you know, it's just amazing. And uh, flying around my little 77, 78-year-old airplane, you know, you know, honoring the people who had gone before us, honoring our courageous people today, uh, taking care of us in this pandemic. Those frontline healthcare workers are as courageous as the boys who hit uh, the beaches in Normandy. They have the same amount of courage. They're going in there and they're facing death right in the eye.
0: Fragility of human life and yet the power of human spirit is what's on display in what you're describing. You clearly are a global citizen, as lucky as we are to have you in Sonoma County. Even though I don't live there, I have so much love for it that I wanted to be prosperous forever. And people such as yourself that, again, to highlight business acumen to spare, but also a heart to spare to go along with it. You are truly the organic, authentic leaders, not the ones that are elected, but the ones that really showcase all the best about human nature. In those historical moments that you've described, Indira is relevant today. As we're being tested as a nation and the world, I hope people realize how interdependent we are. What happened in Italy, what happened in France? What happened in Germany? In Russia? In South Africa? In North Africa? Right. We should all think about that because honestly, we're not immune. We don't have some sort of, you know, magic bullet um, that we can, you know, isolate and live in a bubble. Um, and as such citizens, we really ought to think about how we can take better care of each other. And examples such as yourself are very inspirational. And very comforting in the sense because as we talked about in the beginning of the conversation, the history repeats. It does. And, you know, as remote as it may seem, what happened in Normandy, as you so eloquently stated, it's as relevant today. Our freedom is fragile. Our very existence is, is currently under threat. Exactly is threatening our lives, and it's an invisible enemy, but it's no different than any other in the sense that it does want to extinguish our way of life.
1: Well, we stick together, and we we know that we're in partnership. You know, we we too will. Don't let anybody divide us. Just watch out for each other, take care of each other, take care of yourself, and live up to those ideals. Uh, You know, this country's had great ideals, and very seldom have we ever lived up to them of that Declaration of Independence, but our job is to continue to strive to do that. And uh, we, are, we are a world community and uh, we are interdependent. And as we've found out now, realistically in this pandemic, uh, let's not look out the window and try to blame people. Let's look in the mirror and see how we can work together uh, to solve this problem and go forward stronger.
0: It is incredibly true, and we need to be vigilant, like you're watching out for your co-diners. You know, you're living that example. We need to be kind to each other. We need to be emotionally smart, as well as intellectually. All right. We need to really kind of show our best selves in this context more than ever. And I know that you're doing a tremendous amount to honor our vets um, and their voices. I wish were heard more, because yes. honestly, people have pure wisdom. Everything they say makes sense. Everything they say is inspirational and instructive. There's practicality to that message there that is. I cannot hear enough. So thank you for that. Um, I know that you have a project going, Liberation line that you've created exclusively for the purposes of enabling others to do what you did, to fly the airplanes, right?
1: Yeah, and, and also what we've done with our last vintage, is our third vintage, is we're making uh, uh, donations to the Garrison East Foundation, as as you know, is an incredible foundation supporting veterans. And so, you know, for every bottle they buy, it's ten bucks goes to Gary East Foundation, and I match five dollars out of my foundation. And uh, it's not released yet, but we've also made a um, a wine called Courage, uh, Courageous Care, uh, kind of <clears throat> to recognize those people. For Dave Dunn and my great grandmother, Margaret Fuller, to say same thing. You know, ten bucks a bottle, and five bucks a dollar foundation goes to fund PPE and and uh, uh, food banks across the country. And uh, we'll release that probably in about another two weeks. But um, again, it's it's everything we can do, every little bit. You know, is is that a lot of money? No, it's not a lot of money, but it's a it's an effort uh, to do that and uh, to recognize uh, people, the veterans courage our first responders courage uh, to uh, uh, any way that we can, can do that because maybe somebody will see that and and, and they'll say, Oh, maybe I can do something. You know, one of the things that many of these airplanes have done is taking trouble kids and they're now fixing these old airplanes. And so there's, there's a thousand things we can all do. If you only help one other person, you know you've changed the world yeah you, know, you don't have to you don't have to help thousands just help one other person change the world
0: those words are so empowering they should be on a t-shirt They should be on banners. they should be written in the sky because that's what it takes just do one thing do a good deed that's right you guys have no excuse now you've heard the wisdoms um, that uh, eternal, universal, and highly actionable. You can buy one of vinovia's wines, that any of them are delicious, I can attest to that. And Thank we'll you. be talking about them in future podcasts. I'm going to hold you to it. We got to do the wine, the wine show. But every single wine I've ever had um, from your brand has been invariably delicious, elegant, sophisticated, meaningful, all the things I look for in a great quality um, of wine. Uh, But also the bottles that we've talked about that will help people how easy it is for you now Just don't wait. Don't give yourself excuses as soon as you heard it. Come on. Go on the website Make it happen. Make us proud make Joe proud Um, And honestly just sitting here and having when the pandemics are recording in the zoom format you guys, but I'm still looking at Joe's eyes and the kindness the generosity that internal things, those internal things that we talked about, this internal barometer that that measures humanity. It's looking at me from the screen and it's making me wanna be a better better human being. And for that, I am so thankful.
1: Well, Thank you for this. This has been a great conversation. It's a great way to end the day and and, uh, Drink a little wine, and uh, we'll, we'll get some of this new down to you so you can, you can sample it to them, okay?
0: I'm very excited. We haven't even mentioned much. I said in the beginning that you're drinking the new, newly released Chardonnay. Tell us just a couple of words about it.
1: So, you know, we, we planted the Olive Vineyard. You know, people know Benovia is a winery named after our dads. Mary's dad's name was Ben, and my dad's name was Novian. Mm-hmm. I was looking at Bonobie, Well, our major estate uh, vineyard where the winery is is named after our moms, Martha Ella. Martha was my mother's name and Elmer was Mary's mom's name. And so we planted those vineyards in 2008. And so, you know, Mike very carefully selected, uh, you know, clones, so we have some Chardonnay there and Pinot. And, you know, he was able to get his hands on a little suit, some suitcase, montrechet and and uh, it was never quite right. And uh, so he was able to make this wine in 2018, the first time it's primarily a Russian River blend, but he has different clones there, and so he and uh, Adolfo, our uh, associate winemaker, uh, you know, crafted this wine in small, couple hundred cases, and uh, uh, so it's our first single vineyard Chardonnay uh, from a Bonovia, uh vineyard. Uh, we've always had blend, you know, we have dual Pomeray, which are, are uh, you know from another vineyard, and. And so this is our, our first single vineyard, and it is amazing wine. It's just, uh, you'll love it. It's uh, it's so different than the Three Sisters and, uh, uh, and La Pomeray and our Russian River. It's just such a great expression of, of that site. And of course, it's, it's you know, a lot of this is what's in your head, and, and this is a wine from the vineyard named after my mom, so it has to be good. But it is fantastic it's uh, everybody is, is blown away by it and uh, it goes to the truth of, of how they've uh, planted those vineyards and uh, you know and mike was precise he wasn't going to do it until he, it was right so you know it was uh we planted in in '08 08 and in 18 he decided to make a single vineyard just a couple hundred cases of chardonnay off of there from white clone selection so anyway enjoy it you'll um, love it
0: no it sounds amazing i'm near speechless. As a card carrying wine nerd, as you guys know, of course I've had a lot of vanilla wine over the years and I brought them to tastings, wine tastings with similar geeks and there's some really illustrious Burgundy on the table at the same time and your wine always won hearts and minds. Um, I, I cannot wait to delve into that with you, you guys. You have my promise. I will make sure that this is not a goodbye. This is to be continued. Joy and I will sit down again and maybe even drag Mike Sullivan into this. Um, How are we going to do it?
1: He'd love to do it. He'd love to see you. <laughs> He'd love um, to see you. Um,
0: this is such a good time. I cannot imagine ending it on a better note than cheers. Um, and to good health, to spending more time together. You bet to putting all the bad things behind us and really emerging from this as better society and better humans.
1: Remember, peace and all good things to you. Cheers. Thank you. God bless.
0: God bless. Okay. Thanks again for tuning in to the official podcast of Palette Exposure featuring Alona Thompson. We'll see you again next week.